0: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX, sponsored by Michaels Flooring, the flooring experts, MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com.
2: <music> and welcome to Overnight America. Tonight is the night. Sound. Almost like a Frank Sinatra song. Tonight is the night of the Keith Radio Special. This is why I don't sing. Whenever I sing around the house, my son, not that he knows any better, but he'll roll his eyes at me. I think that I should take that as a sign that he's uh, growing up and becoming more mature. Oh, just wait till you get older and I can embarrass you in front of your friends, my son. So the Keith Radio Special, we're going to air part one of it tonight in about an hour from now at 9.06, right after the news. I am so excited to play for you the first two hours of the special. And then tomorrow night, we'll air part two of the special, which is hour number three of the documentary. And then a special bonus hour, which is from 1990 between Ann Keefe and Bruce Bradley. I really think you're going to enjoy it. And if you listen to any of the previous radio documentaries i produced. The first one was on Mr. Robert Highland. The second one on Jim White, the man who goes bump in the night. Jim White, uh, the big bumper. He was a very unique radio personality. And as I start to put these specials together, I realize just the chemistry that KMOX had in its diversity of personalities. They were so different in many ways. You know, Jim White was different than Jack Carney, who was different than Jack Buck, who was different than Ann Keefe, who was different than Bruce Bradley, who was different than Bob Hardy, who was different than Bob Costas. And you could just keep going down the line, you know, who was different than Bill Wilkerson, who was different than Wendy Weiss, who was different than... And then you just go on and on and on. Then Charlie Brennan, then that was different than... And how many names can you go down the roster of the unique personalities that were here at KMOX. Really remarkable. And I, I got to say, the more I learn about Ann Keefe, the more I'm impressed, and I really wish I had the opportunity to meet her. I remember one time we did a topic on the show. The topic was, if you can go back and sit down and talk to a former KMOX personality, like who would you want to sit down with? So many people say Jack Buck. They don't think twice about it. They say, oh, I'd like to go with Jack Buck. Some people said they wanted to sit down with Jim White or they wanted to sit down with Jack Carney or they'd want to sit down with, you know, fill in the blank. There were so many different people to choose from. When I listen to the person that is Ann Keefe, so I hear what she was on the air and then you hear her off the air. The interview she gave about her career You hear from her family members in this special. You hear from the people that worked with her. So many people admired her and loved her. She was a truly unique person. Fred Bottomer, who produces Mark Reardon's program here on KMOX, worked with Ann Keith for many years, was producing her show, got to sit in the same small office with her, got to breathe in all the secondhand smoke. (laughs) So he's a part of the special tonight, too. And there's so many great memories to share. It starts off just in general, people talking about what made her special, what brought her to KMOX, what an interesting circumstance, and then really her time here and some of the awesome moments and things that really made her unique for this radio station. So that starts a little less than an hour from now after 9 o'clock. I make these specials, by the way. I, I think about all of the listeners that have listened to KMOX for decades, the ones that would say, oh, my parents listened to KMOX and they always had the radio on. And when I got older, I listened to it too. Or, and then some people would remember the last, you know, oh, in the 70s, I started listening. Oh, I would, I would remember listening to Cardinals baseball and I would stay up late and I would listen to Jim White or I'd hear John McCormick or you know, all these people and all these memories. It's amazing that so many people have these intimate Ideas of where you know where they were and what they were doing when they heard the night Jim White did this or the night this happened, it, it, they would listen all the time. You know, even on Thanksgiving, hearing the stories of Jim White and Thanksgiving. But with Ann Keith, she's different. Ann Keith wasn't one that w- would back fence as much as like a Jim White at night who had that opportunity to do it. Ann Keith was a master interviewer. Ann Keith was someone that would challenge you. Oh, she was so good and so well-informed and ready for a fight, but not to fight you. She was ready for a fight of ideas. She would wait for you to say something, and she would say, No, no, how about this? What about this? And the reason she was able to do that is because she knew what she was talking about. Brilliant. Brilliant woman. When I listen to some of her interviews, too, and there's great examples of it in the special tonight, I think you'll get a great feel for it. And I make these specials for mostly the hardcore listeners i know that doug is listening right now he does the overnight america theme song that you hear us play every night doug and donna came in studio they played that for us it was fantastic but i i do that for the ones that have admiration and they remember the great personalities that made this radio station what it is and i know that doug listens every night and he's going to sit back and he's going to enjoy these two hours of Van Keefe, And he's going to love every second of it. And he's going to smile through some of it. He's going to laugh at some of it. He might just do a sensible chuckle here and there. But I make these specials thinking, you know, I I know I want to find a way to tip my hat to those that have listened to the station so long. And then also, I want those that may have no memory of Van Keefe Because, you know, she passed away a few years ago, but the last time she was on the air at KMOX, we're talking early 90s, 93 she retired, but she did Donnie Brook on PBS here, so you may have seen her on that, but she's, you know, long gone but not forgotten. Maybe there's some people that don't know who she is but would enjoy just learning about it because, you know, history is a big part of what people enjoy. They, they like to go back and learn things. In this case, it's the history of a radio station so many people love. So I I think there's a a wide audience of people that would enjoy this, but really I think about the Dugs of the world, those that have lived through these people and have great memories of them that can just sit back and enjoy it because I I know they really appreciate it, and I know you will too. So 9.06, right after the 9 o'clock news, part one of the Yankee radio special. Cannot wait few things from today. I wanted to play a couple of clips from the confirmation hearing. And then we're going to talk to the executive director of the new Civil Liberties Alliance. He was also the former chief of staff to uh, Mike Pompeo, which is pretty awesome. We'll talk about court packing and the hearings of Amy Coney Barrett with Mark Chenoweth. He's uh, someone that does a lot of different radio interviews. I'm glad he's going to come on the show tonight. But what does he think about the proceedings so far? And in general, the fear that if Joe Biden wins, packing of the court is what the Pelosi's of the world want. What is really the big deal about that? Now, I say this knowing the answer, but I want him to answer it. We'll talk to him a little bit after, uh, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes from now. And then later in the show, we'll actually be live from 11 until midnight. So if you uh, listen to the special, we can actually talk about the special after uh, the two hours that we have on that. So we got a lot to get to on the show even before we get to the Ankeef special. If you want to text in, you can at 314-436-7900. Also on Facebook, if you want to find me on there, Make sure to like the Ryan Wrecker Radio Facebook page. You can message me and and do what you want. It's Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. And Overnight America continues. It's going to be a great night, debuting the Yankee radio special at 9.06. So right after the 9 o'clock news, about 45 minutes away. Super excited for that. Uh, If you want to call in, you can, 314-436-7900. We're actually going to have a guest on a little after the 830 weather. So Mark Chenoweth is the executive director of New Civil Liberties Alliance. He was the former chief of staff to, at the time, Congressman Mike Pompeo. I'm a Pompeo fan. I think he's been doing some good work. So he's going to come on the show and give his thoughts on the hearings and then also court packing, because that's a pretty big topic there. What I want to do... What I really want to do is just bring a couple of clips from earlier because you may have listened to it on the radio. You may have watched it on the television. There's been a lot going on. It seems the approach that a lot of the Democrats are taking right now is knowing that she is such a good candidate. I mean, she is a fantastic A-plus candidate that deserves to get a unanimous vote in. But she's not going to do that because only the Republicans are going to vote yay. Yay. And all the Democrats are in unison to vote nay. So it doesn't matter about the qualifications of the person. They uh, protest the idea of putting someone in the Supreme Court at this time. So like it or not, that's just the way it's going to go. So what they're doing now and what I've seen during the confirmation process today is actually a little bit sad. So what they're deciding to do is bring up questions that are in a way pretty insulting in the way that they would never ask those questions to really anyone else would they so for example a democratic senator from hawaii senator hirono was asking set questions She said oh i asked these of all the nominees let me bring up the questions she asked let me see if i have it here real quick because her questions were twofold one um let me read it exactly Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any physical or verbal harassment or assault of a sexual nature? And Amy Coney Barrett said, nope, Senator Hirono. And then she said, have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? You know what would be interesting? If they asked that question of every single senator, wouldn't that be? I think it would be great if they decided to ask if, Hey, um, by the way, let's go around the room. And hey, any of the senators up here right now has the government ever paid to settle a complaint against you of a sexual nature? Okay, let's go on. Let's just do a quick thing. Uh, Okay, let's go through the line. All right. No. Now keep in mind, a lot of these uh, senators, congressmen, things like that, if there are pages you know the interns of the political world or staffers that show up with a complaint a lot of times what they like to do is it's probably better we just you know pull from this government fund and we'll just pay this person off to either make them go away or to make this so it's not a giant scandal or whatever it is and a lot of times these congressmen senators are protected in that sense so let's go down there let's go through the room how many of you have been paid on behalf of uncle sam the taxpayer to settle an accusation against you now does it actually say to the merits of them being true or false accusations no it does not it it really doesn't because it doesn't go to trial doesn't get a chance to do that sort of thing but the idea here is she acts like this is a standard boilerplate form she's going through okay let's just check these things out we're just going to do a quick check 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 uh have you ever sexually harassed people have you ever uh, unwanted advances let's do check 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 and then Cory Booker from New Jersey. Senator there also ran for president, but failed. Uh, Lots of questions. Also, the very first question he asked, was it the first question? But one of the first questions is, um, do you condone white supremacy? Well, that's an interesting question. (laughs) Okay. So part of this is not meant to, it's not like they're really concerned about this in a way that they have any credible evidence to suggest the otherwise. It's not like there's um, any reason to believe that is true. They're bringing it up as a way to try to insult, I think, President Trump. They're bringing it up as a way to try to embarrass this whole process of nominating someone. And it's, you know, it's not good. It's really not good. So let me just keep this in mind. I wonder what this opens the door to in the future for any other future filing. So if there's Another type of uh, Senate hearing, and we're talking about the Supreme Court or a federal bench or whatever it is. And let's say that there is a uh, control by the Democrats at that time, and they're putting together their proposals and their confirmation for a different candidate, someone that is believed to be far left leaning. And the Republicans go up there and they ask similar lines of questions. How do you think people would react to that sort of thing? Uh, you know, are you a, uh, have you um, uh, do you uh, condone white supremacy or You know, hey, uh, have you ever uh, posted anything racist or uh, you've ever been called a racist or, uh, you know, if they just start going down this line, they would go absolutely crazy. It would be MSNBC and CNN would spend an entire night crying about it. Number one, they would bring on experts to talk about how there's uh, microaggressions in the, uh, you know, the Republican Party. And they're all, you know, they're doing this to hide from their own racism and things like that. That's exactly, you know, that's exactly what they would do. It's very insulting. But then again, I think the most important thing to take away from all of this is that no matter what was thrown at Amy Coney Barrett, not only did she handle it exceptionally well, but she, I think, in return, embarrassed those that were trying to pull this sort of uh, thing out of their hat, knowing that they're trying to make it super partisan. Everything that was brought her way, she handled so, so, so well, and she needs to be commended for that. And she continues to, uh, I'm sure, show a lot of grace through all of this. I made this point yesterday, too, and I think it's very much uh, the same. Now, imagine if the tables were turned and it was the Republicans asking these questions and it was someone up there that was nominated by a Democratic president. And what do you think the Don Lemons or the Anderson Coopers or the Rachel Maddows or the uh, Cuomos of the world? What do you think they'd be saying right now? Wow, the Republicans really hate women. They got this war on women. They, uh, you know, they're misogynistic and oh, they just can't handle the idea of a woman on the high bench. And they did the same thing with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And of course, they would do this with her. And what a disgraceful look. And how far is the Republican Party led, uh, gone down? And uh, what do they say? Oh, this is Donald Trump's fault? <laughs> this is a uh, society today. This is why things need to change. And, you know, this is exactly what they they would be 24 seven. 24-7 trying to shame this and politicizing it as much as they could. But instead, what are they going to do today? They're going to pop up on their— You know, I'm not going to watch CNN, honestly. So if anyone actually watched any of the uh, commentators tonight on CNN and how they approach this, I'd be curious to find out if they're praising the the uh, brave Democrats who are out there trying to shame Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. But uh, I'd be surprised if they decided to take it any other way. Uh, I guess we could play some clips, uh, you know, I ranted so much, (laughs) so much of the ranting that I feel like I don't have much time to bring too much of it up. You know, how about this real quick? Uh, Senator Mike Lee I I like him a lot and he was talking about court packing with Amy Coney Barrett and one of the things that I feel like maybe I'll play this real quick because I think it's a good segue into our guest that's going to be coming up here in about five six minutes Mark Chenoweth uh, who was a former chief of staff to Congressman Mike Pompeo he's going to talk about court packing he's going to talk about the hearings today from Amy Coney Barrett but listen to uh, Senator Mike Lee
0: here does the Constitution say anything about the size of the Supreme Court
2: Um, The Constitution does not. Uh, That is a question left open to Congress. Uh, It's my understanding that it's been nine for about 150 years, but that's as a matter of statute, not constitutional requirement.
0: If we abandoned uh, the longstanding historical practice and tradition of having nine justices, could that have an impact on the way the three branches of government interact with each other?
2: Possibly, but it's difficult for me to imagine what specific constitutional question you're asking. And of course, course. if there were one, I couldn't opine on it. Yeah, I'm going to ask that question next, because I'm curious about that answer. How would that, you know, how would that change things? How would that work? Because if that was the case, let's say instead of nine Supreme Court justices, there were 15 or 20 or 30, whatever. You know, let's just say they decided to put as many as they wanted into it. And then next thing you know, a Republican gets in and they add 22. And let's say the court is 100 Supreme Court justices. And all of a sudden there's a robe shortage because they don't know where they're going to get all the robes from. And it's just a complete mess. And let's just ask that. We'll we'll ask. So really, what is the danger of packing the courts? Mark Chenoweth is gonna join us after the weather coming up next on Overnight America KMOX.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend a here! Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the
2: voice of the Cardinals. Part one of my radio documentary on the legendary Ann Keefe is coming up in about a half hour, so you're not going to want to miss that. If you enjoyed my previous documentaries, you're going to love this one too. Joining us now is an executive director of the new Civil Liberties alliance and also former chief of staff to congressman at the time mike pompeo with everything going on in the hearings today with amy coney barrett and court packing talks on that mark jenowitz thank you so much for coming on to kmox
1: oh thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be with you
2: so right before the break i played the clip from senator mike lee about what he was asking amy coney barrett regarding the dangers of packing the court so i wanted to ask you a similar question really what is the big deal about packing the court what's the danger of it
1: well, I think the danger is it's, it's really an authoritarian idea and, and an authoritarian tactic. And, and when I say that, I, I really mean two things. I mean, first, that the court is supposed to protect minority rights from majority power. That's, uh, that, it's the one thing in the Constitution that's built in there that's, that's counter-majoritarian. And if we overturn the court with packing it because there's a new president, a new Senate, and they want to add more justices and change the, change the makeup of that court, Uh, that's just putting it under the thumb of the majority. And so you're destroying uh, minority rights, individual rights. And and then the other thing you're doing is you're destroying the independence of the judiciary. And that combination is is really something we can't have in a country that values the rule of law uh, and democracy.
2: Yeah. And it made me just speculate for a moment. So let's just say, you know, Joe Biden gets in and they say, oh, OK, we're going to add six more justices. We'll pop it up to 15. And then next thing you know, around the, the next cycle, another Republican gets in and they say, OK, we're just going to add 10 more. You know, uh, so if, the, if everyone just goes and just packs it and packs it and packs it away, just think about how that would look for us, not only uh, when it comes to our justice system, but what a complete mess that would bring us. I think there's a reason why in the last 150 years we've had this sort of balance and it's the right type of balance and how dangerous it is to use that and try to weaponize that sort of thing. One of the other things I wanted to bring up to you was the whole hearings in general. So we had the opening statements yesterday and today we had some opportunities for the senators to ask questions to Amy Coney Barrett. I want to just get your general impressions of what you've seen so far. Any people that may stand out, questions you've seen that stand out?
1: Well, I, you know, I think that uh, uh, it, it was par for the course in the sense of the questions from, uh, you know, from the Democrat senators on the Judiciary Committee. I thought that the thing that stood out to me above all was Judge Barrett's poise and her ability to just listen attentively for, for hours and hours on end, uh, take in all of those questions, and then react exactly the way that you would want a judge to react with, with grace, with Dignity, with respect, with humility, uh, and even though she couldn 't answer the questions in the sense that they, they were wanting her to take positions on cases that might be before her, and she explained that she can 't do that and without compromising uh, her judicial independence, but I thought that the quality of her answers was really high, uh, and she 's just clearly a, a very intelligent uh, jurist and, and someone we should all be proud to have uh, on the supreme Court
2: yeah, everything we 've seen so far uh, she 's a ten out of ten she 's been fantastic. And I'm curious your background when it comes to watching, monitoring the Supreme Court. Maybe some of the things, or how long you've been monitoring this sort of thing. And does this give you any impressions that we could see a Justice Scalia part two, considering she studied under him?
1: Yeah, it's it's possible. I, I guess I've been studying this pretty closely since about 2002. From from 2002 to 2004, I served in the Bush Justice Department and worked uh, in large part on judicial nominations during the first Bush term. So I've been following pretty closely uh, since then. And I, I think I've seen a lot of judges come through, probably worked on 40 different uh, judges. I've seen a lot of judges come through with preparation and, and so forth. And she's right at the top of the list in terms of uh, the, the her ability here uh, that we're seeing in these hearings.
2: Yeah, if I remember correctly, her name has always been floated around. And since President Trump had the opportunity to put two uh, nominees up and so far has two. But now this third one, I think her name was always there. Like it was just right on the threshold to getting nominated. And now that I see her in action, I'm so impressed. And I wondered why wasn't she one of the first ones they
1: brought up? She's fantastic. <laughs> well, and, and she she well could have been. I She was certainly on the short list when Kavanaugh was picked. And I, I think that what Trump said at the time or what he was reported to have said at the time was that he was going to save her. Uh, in case the Ginsburg seat came open. And, well, that's exactly what happened, so maybe it worked out for the best. But, uh, but yeah, I think that she's cl- clearly shown that she uh, deserves all the, uh, the approbation that's been coming her way.
2: You know, what do you think about the approach that some of the Democrats that are able to ask questions to Amy Coney Barrett, the approach that they're taking is basically a way to try to slight President Trump. So they're asking questions in a way that are trying to... Uh, you know it, it's almost like hey we we can we can give a a kidney punch to the president here in the way that we can ask this question that doesn't seem to apply not only to the character or even the track record of Amy Coney Barrett.
1: Yeah, we saw that from a few of the of the senators Senator Booker notably uh, was asking questions along those lines of uh, you know asked asked uh, Judge Barrett whether she uh, opposed white supremacy, for example and and of course she said yes she she abhors it, uh, and they, well, I wish the president uh, could say it. Uh, uh, as As you know uh, resolutely as you have kind kind of thing, and I, I guess i it's it's political theater, so I understand and and maybe that's the risk of having these hearings during election season is is that you get a little more grandstanding than you uh, ordinarily uh, would get, but I think that uh, that she's handled that and, and you haven't seen her uh, return that in any sort of inappropriate way, so I think the senators are, are going their politicians are going to behave like politicians.
2: Mark Chenoweth joins us, uh, executive director of the New Civil Liberties Alliance. So, tell me about that organization. What do you do as an organization?
1: Sure, uh, NCLA uh, defends people's civil liberties from administrative agencies uh, that have run amok. So, uh, it could be state level, and more often it's it's federal level. But if there's uh, someone's individual rights that are being violated by the EPA or the Centers for Disease Control or the FDA or uh, we have a couple cases with the Securities and Exchange Commission, FTC. Uh, folks can go to our website at ncla.legal, and they can see all the different uh, cases uh, that, that we're involved in. But uh, we, we're nonpartisan. We don't care about the politics of our clients or the politics of the people that we go after. We just care about defending people's individual liberties uh, from, from government excess.
2: So when you hear civil liberties, one of the first things you think about is the ACLU and it seems like they take up very little of these cases anymore. So was this brought up uh, as a necessity because you saw there was just an opening of people that have been victims of certain crime, well I't I should say not victims of crimes, but have accused um, certain instances where they felt they were victimized and then these other cases these other organizations were picking it up.
1: Yeah, there, there's definitely some overlap between the kind of cases that I think that the, the old-style ACLU would have brought and some of the cases uh, that we're bringing. I, th- I think that uh, civil libertarians can can uh, cross the aisle, and uh, there isn't really any uh, uh, any political valence, if you will, to some of the cases uh, that, that we do. Uh, but uh, there's also something different that I think is, apart from, from what the ACLU did, our founder is a guy named Philip Hamburger, who's a professor at Columbia Law School, and he wrote a book called... Is administrative law unlawful? Short answer: Yes. Uh, and he pointed out that all these administrative agencies that we have that are violating people's rights are really exactly, really behaving exactly the same way that King George III behaved with royal prerogative and and dispensing special favors and all these kinds of things. And folks say that the administrative state isn't in the Constitution, but really that's that's not right. Really, the Constitution was written so that we would never have that kind of government, and yet. Slowly but surely, that's what has uh, has evolved at the federal level, at least.
2: Wow! So, by the way, people wanted to look up your organization, your website. Where can they find you?
1: Uh, NcLa dot legal is uh, is our website, and I would love to have people uh, people check that out. We have a uh, we have an article on there that goes into greater depth about some of the cases that uh, Amy Coney Barrett has been involved in as well. If folks are interested in that,
2: oh, that's good. What do you? Uh, what's your level of confidence that she'll be a Supreme Court justice?
1: Oh, I, I think that she's uh, well on her way. I, I, you know, I think it's got to be uh, certainly upwards of 90 percent uh, at this point. I, uh, you never know what sort of uh, things might be uh, being held back for after the after the hearings. Uh, we've seen that a couple times before, but I've just I've heard no rumblings of that. I think she's in, in great shape.
2: I heard, too, did you hear part of the testimony today from Senator Ted Cruz just regarding some of the super PAC money that will be going into these uh, negative ads against her? Apparently, they'll be running here very soon. I don't know if you caught that part of the uh, testimony.
1: I saw part of uh, Senator Cruz's testimony. I didn't see that part. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, there's, there's been millions of dollars spent on both sides of these uh, you know, last several uh, Senate, or excuse me, uh, Supreme Court appointments. Uh, but I, you know, I just don't think that uh, that that 's going to sway too many people I, I, I suppose what part of what 's happening and I think this is part of what 's going on with court packing here too uh, and and you were asking a great question about some of these questions that seem really not really directed at her but directed at at the audience uh, is I think that they're trying to shape what the Supreme Court does in the future they're they're trying to like court packing is a threat that 's trying to cow the Supreme Court ahead of any uh, effort to pack it so even if even if Biden wins and he never packs it, there's still that threat that's being held over the heads of the justices so that they maybe uh, don't uh, vote their conscience the way that they, they ought to do. Uh, and, uh, and and I think the same thing with all these questions about uh, harm that, that might come from a ruling that went a certain way on uh, on the Affordable Care Act case. Uh, they're trying to make it more difficult for the justices uh, to follow the law and and. Uh, come up with decisions that follow the law and and instead do something that's closer to uh, what the uh, political leanings are of the people asking the questions today.
2: Yeah, and I know this is going to sound a little weird, but sometimes these ideas get floated around. And it becomes like a virus. So at the start, you look at it and you say, oh boy, that's w- our immune system, our constitution, our, the way that we govern, will be able to flush that sort of thing out. But slowly but surely, it starts to spread and it all of a sudden it becomes more acceptable because we've been talking about it so much, asking the question about it so much. And then next thing you know, 20 or 30 years down the line, there's some serious considerations of it. You know, today we can look at it and talk about its dangers. But then in the future, you may wonder, wow, uh, what if they really do take something like this seriously? And it, you know, but, it can yeah, if they bring this up on the campaign trail, if every senator in the future is going to be asked this question over and over and over again and it gets implanted into people's minds, it only takes a certain amount of, you know, progressive thinking like the AOCs of the world that find their way getting more power or maybe finding their way to the Senate that try to legitimize this sort of thing. And all you need is a couple of senators at points to try to get a vote like that through. And it could be very dangerous.
1: Well, and, and when, when uh, Joe Biden was saying that he would tell you his opinion the day after the election, I, I thought what he was really saying is it depends on how many Senate votes I pick up. You know, if I've got a Senate of 51, I probably can't pack the court, but if I've got a Senate of 57 or 58, I probably uh, can pack the court. Uh, but the other thing that you've seen the last few days, and, and I think this is kind of Orwellian, uh, is uh, that they've been changing the definition of court packing. You, you talked about it right up front, what court packing is. It's adding justices. But they've been calling what the Republicans are doing right now with Amy Coney Barrett, court packing, right? They've been trying to use that term to describe the absolutely legal and normal process of confirming a justice to the Supreme Court through a Judiciary Committee hearing and a a floor vote uh, on the Senate. That's not court packing. uh, But when they call it that, they're trying to, they know the term is negative, and so they're trying to use that term to delegitimize uh, Justice Barrett's confirmation, Judge Barrett's confirmation.
2: They've gone even further. In fact, they say that during the last uh, four years of President Trump, three and some plus years of President Trump, any of the appointees he had on the federal level account to court packing as well they say oh look at him look at all these different federal appointments look at all these different judges he got on the bench now keep in mind there were openings that needed to be filled and that's kind of the duty and the president gets the ability to do these things but they call that court packing too so they're using it very liberally in the way of the term because they know there's that negative connotation and who knows if people really know what it is they just know that it's a bad thing
1: right exactly i think that's i think that's what's happening there yeah but but i do think i'll go ahead well, I was just going to say, it's, it's such an authoritarian move. It would permanently wreck the independence of the federal judiciary, uh, which has been a real hallmark of uh, protection for civil liberties. So I, I hope that, uh, that we don't go down this road.
2: Yes. Uh, so, again, you're the executive director for the new Civil Liberties Alliance, if people wanted to look that up, and maybe some of the articles you have on Amy Coney Barrett there. What's the
1: website? Uh, it's ncla.legal.
2: ncla.legal. Mark Chenoweth? Thank you so much for the time tonight. Very informative. I enjoyed our conversation.
1: I did, too. Thanks for having me, Ryan.
2: And Mark joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line on Overnight America KMOX.
0: This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX.
2: Oh, I cannot believe that the KMOX radio special of Ann Keefe is going to be debuting here in about 15 minutes from now. So excited for it. So the next two hours, I think you can just sit back, relax and allow KMOX to entertain you with the memories of the past and some great names. I think you'll instantly recognize as part of this special right off the bat. It'll be good to hear Ann Keefe's voice again, too. Really wish I could have had the opportunity to meet her, but yeah, I feel like I learned so much by doing these specials. Few you, um, we only got a couple of minutes here. I guess we could talk and play some clips from the hearings today. Eh, eh. You know, I, I have them. I was planning on playing it, but now I feel like I've, we have to decompress. And I kind of like that over the next two nights, we're not going to be talking politics for those couple of hours when the documentary's airing. Well, I, I take that back. One part of the special is an hour with Ann Keith and Bruce Bradley from 1990. So they do talk some politics of the time. And it's amazing how some still stand up today. But I wanted to uh, tell you this real quick. My, so my son and I found a lost dog. Isn't that something? My dog who likes to keep a close watch around the house and what's going on. You know how there's neighborhood watches. You, I don't even know if these still exist. I'm, I'm sure they do. But I don't think there's new ones that start up. But you would go into a neighborhood and they would have that sign It was like a little dude in a trench coat, and it's like looking just like the all you do is see their eyes, and it says, this is a neighborhood watch. You know, neighbors look after each other here. I thought they were very popular in like the 80s and 90s. You don't see new ones popping up. Like they don't build a new subdivision and say, all right, who's going to sign up for the neighborhood watch? But I think most part people look after their neighbors and my, our neighborhood's a little bit different. Sure, we as the people, the humans, the homeowners look after our neighbors, but the dogs do a great job. They do a much better job. So we have our neighbors who have their dogs outside a lot of the day. We have the other neighbors across the street. They got their dogs outside a lot of the day. Our dog is a primarily indoor dog, but, you know, she likes to go out and hang out in the sun for a while. Maybe, you know, go out, use the bathroom, of course. But majority of the day, she's inside the house. But what happens is there's a doggy neighborhood watch. So when one dog starts barking, she instantly jumps up and runs to the front window. She wants to know what's going on. And that's like their own little system. It's like their own alert who needs to have home security system when you got a bunch of neighborhood dogs out there? It's wonderful. So yesterday, was it yesterday? Yeah, I think it was. Get the days mixed up. It's amazing still. I'm trying to sort this out. We, I hear the bark, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? So I, I take a look. I just happened to take a peek out the window, and there's a loose dog. Aw, a little loose puppy. So my son says, we got to go get the dog. And I said, no, you stay in here. I'll go see if I can catch the dog. And he said, Oh, I'm not, I'm not leaving you. He's like, you have to take me. So he was way too excited, with the prospect of picking up a lost dog, little dog, you know, probably all of ten pounds if that. Looked like a, you know, well maintained dog, so you know, groomed. It didn't look like it was a stray or anything. It actually, had a little vest on it, so it looks like he was taken for walks and maybe got off the lead. So we try to find this dog, and we're walking, and my son's in his sandals, and it's cold, and it's, you know, I think yesterday was a little rainy, if I remember. So we finally get close to the dog, and, you know, sometimes dogs are more inclined to encounter children. They they, they feel, like, more safe or more secure when it's not a grown adult that's trying to, you know, bring them in. So luckily I had my son with me. This is probably only 10 doors down from our house. It's not that far. The dog comes right up to my son, super friendly. And while my son is petting the dog, I brought a leash with me. I just clipped it on. And we uh, walked back to our house. And I tried to look around. I thought, well, I don't recognize the dog. I guess it could be our neighbors across the street, but I don't think this is their dog. So I called them, and it wasn't. So I called Animal Control and waited for a while. And they were a little bit busy. I guess backlog, some other things going on. And eventually, Animal Control did come down to the house. And I had a chance to talk to him, and he recognized the dog immediately. And then I, I started to think, wow, he knows this dog. It reminds me of a few other situations like this. My mailman, for example. He knows us. He knows our name. He knows when something's different. He'll ask me when something's different. If our neighbors don't pick up their mail after a while, or maybe they're out of town or something like that, and I just so happen to see him, maybe I'm outside working on the yard, or maybe he brings uh, a package or a, a letter you can't fold or whatever that doesn't fit inside of our mailbox to so the door, he'll say, hey, uh, your neighbor's over here. Have you heard from them? They haven't picked up their mail in a while. Or just in general, we know each other. I know he's going to be retiring soon. But I thought about this, and I thought, man, isn't that great? It made me feel so much better about, my neighborhood, my community, that the mailman knows when something's going down and asks me and we know each other's name. The animal control can come down and say, oh, I know this house. I know where this dog goes. I think we just it's just a few down over here up up on the corner and around. I, I think this is their dog. We can go find this out real quick. So he pays attention and knows this. The dogs in the neighborhood bark when things are going down. I love that. I love it. My son became connected to the stray dog as one little boy does he's almost six years old now and he was sad at the fact that this dog had to go back to his home <laughs> he was sad he said I'm going to miss this dog I said, no, you know, think about this the the owners That what if they have kids what if they're probably missing they're scared sick that this dog is gone uh, they wouldn't be able to and then again what are you going to do you're going to go take this dog for a walk by the previous owner's home and they're, they're going to say wait a minute that boy's walking our dog no you can't do that so My son got to say the goodbyes to the dog. I did too. Got a little, you know, a a little rub and was on his way. And it was a nice little thing. And I got to say, it made me feel so much better for the neighborhood I lived in. I think it's just one of those reminders that all the people that you live around, sometimes you just ignore them. And other times you wave at them. And other times you'll walk over and ask them, hey, do you need a hand with something? I think we need more of that. You know, I I think we need more connections in that way. It it does make a huge difference. It really does. Is there a point to the story? No. The only point is, I didn't want to talk politics there. (laughs) And Keefe radio documentary debuts next. I know you're going to enjoy it. I know you're going to love it. Sit back, relax, just let this story take you away, back into the old KMOX land. This is Overnight America. (laughs)